0: Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo or at least one of them, it kinda depends and probably some rando too but no complaining, cause this is free free! This is Beauty and the Beta bonus audio content Hello and welcome To the show. This week, I was a guest with Jasper and Dylan of the Dead Center podcast, which is a product of the new Australian political website Dead Center, which strives to critique all ideologies with equal scrutiny. We talked a lot about the current state of hysteria on the left. We talked about guns in America. We talked about the recent spat between President Trump and the Australian Prime Minister, and much more. And so, if you like what you hear, And I hope that you will. Check out the Dead Center website and the Dead Center podcast using the links in the description. And tell them I sent you if you do. Thanks for listening and enjoy.
1: Okay, Matt Christensen, welcome to the podcast. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I've been following your channel for a while. And um, I'm really into just how, you know, concise your arguments for free speech are.
0: Well, thanks. And thanks for hosting me as well.
1: Ah, pleasure. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, yeah. I'm noticing, like, in America, you know, there there is – it is an ideological war now, and you are commentating on that, that war. Do you see it that way, or do you think it's a bit more simple than that?
0: <laughs> well, the, the term is interesting. I assume you mean a metaphorical war, but um, you could credibly argue <laughs> – a, an is. actual war forthcoming at, at the yes. rate it's going. Um, yes. and I look at a lot of the stuff, like I look at what happened, um, to Milo at UC Berkeley. I look at some of the previous events, um, on his tour. I look at some of the violence that was on display at the inauguration and without sounding like a person who is completely, uh, I don't know, wearing a nice big giant tinfoil hat. I do wonder how much further this stuff can go before you start teetering on. I I don't know. I don't know if war is the right word, but certainly some kind of physical solution to this problem. Cause it's being, it's it, there's plenty of physical fights being picked at this point. So yeah. I, I think the situation is kind of critical at present. And, um and, and really to your point, it, it comes down to people that believe you should have the right to say what you want, short of inciting actual violence, versus people who don't, and um, and that's a value that people like me aren't going to compromise on.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think the really worrying part for me is this 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 ideology in the left that seems very accepting of violence and thinking it's almost morally justifiable. I just know that among a lot of my friends recently on the left, they've they've seen like attacking who they call Nazis, as yeah. justifiable reaction, which I just think is insane, not not only from a moral standpoint, but also just from the, the perspective of what is this going to achieve? Is it actually going to stop this sort of behavior when you fight that extremism with violence? Like, Does that actually change anything? Does that change people's minds? Yeah, I think and... So. and-
0: even the premise that you say there when you're fighting extremism with violence. I mean, I, I don't, um, and I'm not saying that you do necessarily, but I don't even accept the premise that violence is a justified reaction to quote unquote extremist rhetoric. But uh, in in there, I think this is all particularly troublesome in the context of an ever expanding definition of extremism or an ever expanding definition of what it means to be a Nazi. Mm. I, I mean, I'm I'm seriously speaking, I'm certainly within the circle of what some people define as a Nazi. And certainly within the circle of what some people define as justifiably punchable. And I don't think I say anything that is in particularly controversial, but this think, is the world I we think live okay
1: in. Say one thing, which is even remotely bigoted. Yeah. You know,
0: uh, well, I can, I can forward you to some people who would disagree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I, I think the, the, uh, the idea is that anybody to the right of the radical left is now a card carrying member of the extreme right in their office. And that's kind of, um, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, but nothing seems to be making much sense at the moment, particularly in America. Mm.
0: Can I ask, um, if you'll permit me to ask a question, What? What is the situation like in Australia? Is this is this something that's an American phenomenon, or is this something you guys observe as well?
2: I think I think it's equally as vitriolic in Australia, probably probably to a slightly lesser extent. Um, I think probably the Trump election sort of triggered a lot of backlash on both sides and made things more intense than they would be. Um, so I, I think, like I see it all the time in Australia, but I think it's slightly less pronounced. The other mm. thing is our system of government here is,
1: um, well, I mean, you had that, that election campaign, which went for about 18 months, which was, it was showbiz basically. And, and, you know, if you hear people like, um, uh, you know, Scott Adams, for instance, talking about, um, you know, the techniques that Trump used to win the election and, and You know, by, you know, these sort of linguistic kill shots and these kind of like different, you know, manipulate like manipulation techniques, Um, uh, you know, and it's kind of theater and, it's you know, at the end of the day, you know, like whoever wins the U.S. presidential election doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best person for the job it means they just ran the best campaign and the campaign goes for so long and so many things get said and so many things piss off other people that we just don't have that here like we 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 lose prime ministers overnight yeah you know, it, it, it's 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 kind of weird here we've had we had the same prime minister for um 11 and a half years until 2007 and i think we're on to our fifth since yeah our fifth change of prime minister since 2007 now mostly within the
2: same party government as well like mm. right? mm. there's been two changes of prime minister with, within the labor and Liberal governments so within the administration they changed halfway through but they wanted that leader to be
1: so we don't have the theater and we don't have the um uh, we don't have all that kind of um, rhetoric but at the same yeah. time we do have a a huge resurgence um, well I don't know if it's even a resurgence I think it might just be a completely exactly. new thing for us of like uh, of of far right political parties that are popping up and you know sure. just today there was a, um, a politician Corey Bernardi who uh, left the Liberal Party who are the Conservative Party in this country um, mm-hmm. uh, and he left to start a, a another Conservative Party which mm-hmm. is further sort to of the right which would make it the Oh, the fifth Conservative Party in the country currently in 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 either House of Parliament. So yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, it's a lot of splintering. So much splintering, yeah. What what yeah. is it? You got Democrats and Republicans, and that's pretty Right. Much
0: yeah, I mean there there's kind of a a split inside of each party. I mean, the rise of Trump has caused significant fractures in the traditional party split and has caused a lot of people like me to to migrate parties in both directions to be honest um there was a lot of cross voting and a lot of abstaining from from voting this time around and to the point you were making about the rise of um of far right parties certainly this is something we observe in in europe as well and i don't know if people would qualify donald trump as far right maybe on some issues of uh, you know, terrorism, security, immigration, far-right, in the nationalistic sense, I suppose. But one thing that's frustrating is there's little to no acknowledgement on the left of the role they play in giving credibility to and appeal to the rise of the far-right. Hmm. If, you, if, if your plan is open open borders to anyone whenever they want to come here and the other part of your policy is anyone who disagrees is a racist, yeah, a lot of people are going to say, y- you know what? Here's a middle finger and I'm going to vote for somebody that doesn't think I'm a piece of crap. And <laughs> that's kind yeah. of the phenomenon that's going on in a lot of places right now.
2: I think I think Jasper and I have discussed it quite a bit just between us and that I think a lot of this like far right extremism is entirely the fault of the left. It's it's the fault of the left of the left failing to address issues which the population wants to address. Yeah. Well, and and there's
0: the, the left has become so entrenched in its identity politics here. Everything is, you know, black lives matter and LGBTQ this, and it's all intersectionality and stuff. And I'm not a fan of that, but you got to understand, they need to understand if, if that is what you want, if you want identity pride groups, you're going to get white pride groups and Mm -hmm. that is a natural consequence. And I don't think those things are any different. I'd prefer we all just be Americans with the same values Mm -hmm. um, and we all agree on core values. But if you want identity politics, as they seem to, you can't get pissed when the other people get identity politics, too. You got to have an even playing field and uh, different rules for different people is kind of a hallmark of the American left currently, which is really frustrating.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's kind of, you know, a blanket thing throughout the left around the world. But I mean, there has to I mean, there needs to be an acknowledgement from the right or even from, you know, you um, classical liberal standpoint um, that you, you kind of uh, we, we need to acknowledge that there are some uh, groups um, you know in society that just don't have the opportunities that that others uh, other people do you know like uh, it's very easy as a white person to say that everybody should be treated equal. And I, I, I agree with that. But, you know, at the same time, you know, like in Australia, for instance, you know, with our indigenous people, hmm. they, they don't, there doesn't seem to be that kind of um, opportunity. I think no I think, one tells them they can do
2: what, anything.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, sorry, there's there's a lot, go ahead.
2: Of, sorry. There's a lot of structural inequality as well. I and mean, in this, especially in Australia, I'm not sure if the same is in the US, but it's, there's a lot of, um, entrenched disenfranchisement within a lot of communities in Australia, where they simply don't have access to the same opportunities that a lot of Australians do. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, it begs it begs an an interesting question as to how as to how you approach um sort of bringing together those different groups. And it's not yeah. like I think I know an answer, to, mm. but
1: yeah, which which leads me probably to ask you: surely there's stuff that Donald Trump and the Republicans are doing and do stand for, which make that inequality a little bit greater for those sort of minority groups, right?
0: Uh, I I am not aware. I, I guess I would need to know what specifically or what specific opportunity you're speaking to, but I'm not aware of any enacted policy or proposed policy that would perpetuate a lack of equal opportunity. And I think when we're talking about equality that's really what we're talking what we're aiming for is equal opportunity as opposed to equal outcome now um i i will say that i'm willing to listen to groups that believe there is uh unequal opportunity that exists in this country uh, but what's frustrating is a lot of these groups i think of um i think of feminism i think of black lives matter i think a lot of the, these particular groups of grievance culture basically they are unwilling to admit or, or meet halfway with any acknowledgement of the role that they have played in some of the grievances that they have. I'll give you an example of black lives matter said um, we believe that there is, there's a problem with violence in the urban African-American community in particular, both on the part of the police, but we also need to acknowledge the crime problem that exists here and a cultural problem that exists that is leading to disproportionate violence among the urban african-american community great we we all want less okay we want cops not shooting people regardless of race and we want people not shooting each other those are two goals we can all agree on if we come together and seek the middle ground rather than pointing fingers everywhere i'm much more receptive to that but instead it's always pointing fingers at everybody else that's why i am turned off by it and i think a lot of americans are
1: yeah, yeah, and that is sort of othering and grouping rather than judging everybody on
2: individual merit, mm. right. which is which is the true that that well that it's the sort of it's it's just an hypocrisy. I mean, especially on the part of the left, like that's the very thing that are arguing against—the grouping of people and othering of people—and that's the very thing that perpetuating by by speaking this way and acting this way. I mean, to me, it's it's utterly absurd. Like, I do not, I don't understand. right. I I,
0: the, I think the problem, to, you know, to the point on your original question and perpetuating lack of access or unequal opportunity and things. I think so many people confuse unequal outcome for unequal opportunity and unequal outcome is not necessarily a problem provided equal provided there was freedom to choose that outcome and provided that you had the same opportunity to choose whatever you wanted than anybody else did. Um, when I when I think of I, I keep thinking of feminism and, and Black Lives Matter, but there Pell grants go disproportionately to African American students. For example, federal grants for the underprivileged go disproportionately to the African American community to get an education. It's a great opportunity for them to do it if they want to take advantage of that. There's more women going to college now than there are men. There's more women graduating college in the U.S. than there are men. Um, so I I, I I need to see more evidence from them that the unequal outcome that they complain about the wage gap, for example, or, um, or, you know, lower earnings for African-American people are a product of institutional discrimination as opposed to a product of people's choices. Those aren't mutually exclusive either. They can both exist at the same time. I just need to see more evidence beyond kind of a boogeyman of white supremacism or the patriarchy
1: or, or, or feeling rather than a, you know, body of facts.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. I, I think I think quite often, you know, people easy, are very quick to leap on a particular scapegoat and to blame that on a particular reason. But I think in reality, it's a very complex problem. And it's probably a combination of institutional inequality, um, entrenched inequality and a whole number of different factors that leads to it. And I think it's a very, very complex issue to solve. And it's not helped by people on the left claiming that you know there's one fix all to this and we can change it you know by this new leftist policy because in in actual fact it's a much much more complex problem than that yeah
0: I, i really wish you mentioned earlier othering too i really wish on the left there would be an ability to acknowledge that people can rationally disagree with them as well and i'm not saying that doesn't exist on the right i mean certainly you hear it from trump like if anyone opposes him, oh, you're a loser. Oh, you're you're terrible. You're sad. I mean, he does it too, yeah. and it certainly exists on the right. But the, I do believe I I I am kind of of the Dave Rubin school where I come from the left, and so I feel compelled to to fix my side, even though I've now abandoned it entirely, pretty much.
2: Yeah, but, um, that's, Yeah, that's definitely yeah
0: but I, I there's this disease in, on the, on the left in the u s where if you disagree with me, it is because you are x, y, and z. you're a bigot of some form. It's not because you have a rational reason, it's because you uh, you're, a, you're a hateful person and I, I wish that default position could be shed
1: mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you're from the left and and i I you know just through watching your videos you um you you currently live in Montana, mm-hmm. um, but you lived is it San Francisco? I did spend a
0: couple of years. Yeah. in uh, in a San Francisco suburb, uh, 2010 yeah. to 2012. I lived there.
1: Right. And, 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 and so you're aware of that sort of coastal kind of liberal, um, progressives.
0: Yeah. yeah. Sure. I, I went to school in Portland, Oregon too, uh, which I love that city but the politics have just gotten wacky. They were home to, uh, some awful riots after the Trump election. And mm. so sure. <laughs> I always get a kick out of these ultra liberal places where essentially nobody votes Trump yet when they don't get their way, they go out and destroy all the property in the area where nobody voted for Trump anyway.
1: Mm. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Well, that's kind of like the, um, you know, the riots in London in 2011, Mm. you know? um, Yeah, it was just
2: like. Everybody rioting was like smashing up their own neighborhoods this is an outpouring of anger I think it's an emotional sort of release more than any sort of you know rational action But I I, I guess another question that I wanted to ask you I mean from from Australia here We hear about a very big difference between Middle America and the coastal regions and I am sure there is but like just from your perspective having experienced both How much of a political division is there between rural America and coastal slash urban
0: America? I actually don't, I mean, it's hard for me to say because I haven't spent significant time there in, um, in four years. And I really think this complete radicalization of the left has happened in that time frame. So at the time, I don't think there was a big time cultural difference. I think it's probably more of a cultural difference between like your, your Hollywood elites or your political elites versus your everyday, yeah. um, blue collar American, um, and, and just, by the way, it breaks down geographically. The elites tend to live coastally, and your your average, um, you, you know, blue collar middle middle income American tends to live. Um, not to say they don't live on the coast, but certainly they're much more uh, dense yeah. in, in middle America. So, I don't. I guess my big problem with this is back back in my day. I'm young enough to remember, of course, when we all shared foundational values like i thought bill of rights values were a given and we would have our disagreements within that framework but now certainly the first amendment is wide open for debate the second they're entirely hostile to the second amendment which is is fine you can be that but i always get a kick when they say well i'm for the second amendment but i'm for the first amendment but here's a whole list of qualifications well you're not really for for that but but the they're also hostile to things like presumption of innocence. Of course, we have these these big waves of, of um, you know, the rape culture boogeyman on college campuses, and we got to presume that victims are telling the truth and we don't need to see evidence to uh, throw someone under the bus in either the court of public opinion or a court of law. And that's what worries me the most is um, a lot of these, a lot of the foundational values that were the framework to set up what I believe is a. Pretty damn great country, to be honest. I think those are now on the table for debate. Um, and I don't know if that's a coastal versus middle America thing or an elite versus everyday America thing, but I do know, uh, in my opinion, it is it is an increasingly left versus right thing, if that is the framework. Um, all I know <laughs> is as soon as those things became on the table for the left, in addition to the, to the hysteria that has taken place, uh, on just about everything every day you have to be outraged by something new i have just found myself more at home with with um quote unquote right wingers i guess because at least they they agree on the what i thought we all agreed on the foundational stuff
1: yeah i, I just just on that like we, we live in a country that doesn't have a bill of rights you know hmm And, um, you know, but we also live in a country that has pretty strict gun control laws. And I'm sure you've heard the arguments about Australian gun control. We had the biggest massacre ever here in 1996. And 36 people, I think it was. um, Yeah, uh, were mowed down one afternoon um, by a guy called Martin Bryant, who, you know, uh and then the um new prime minister at the time John Howard um brought in uh a gun amnesty and now we don't really have guns here anymore like we used to and ever since there hasn't been one massacre mm. when you see data like that um and like because this is the one thing like I'm sympathetic to the American right in a lot of in a lot of respects but when you see week after week after week in America, there's some sort of you know, shooting, some sort of mass shooting. And we're sitting here in Australia going, what are they thinking? I mean, this, this second amendment was brought in so you can protect yourself from the government, becoming tar- tyrannical. But then you see you know, in places like Ferguson, the government now have tanks and military equipment, which, which the American public don't have. And so the and assault country, rifle isn't going to do much. Yeah. They, they don't have the drones that the American government have. They're not. Yeah. The assault rifle isn't going to do anything anyway. So surely the gun thing in America is uh, outdated. It's outdated. And, and, uh, and no, no.
0: I, well, I, I would definitely disagree with that statement. Um, hmm. and, and I, I would push back a little bit on the characterization that it's about protecting yourself from the government. I, I'm not going to say that that's entirely inaccurate, but fundamentally, the Second Amendment is about the right to self preservation, and that's really what what the what the amendment is getting at now. to so your point on crime rates in australia um, yeah. i I've seen data you can correct me if I'm wrong I've seen data that violent crime has actually increased in Australia, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Can you comment on that at all
1: Well, gun crime hasn't you know but like, violent crime violent crime. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. It wouldn't, I'm not surpri- sure it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, like you know, like there are um, pretty um, significant gang problems in Sydney and Melbourne. Um, uh, we've got like a massive culture of of um, bikie gangs, and there's mm. a lot of, and there's a lot of drug crime as well in in Australia. But it doesn't really have much to do with drugs. We don't have people walking into cinemas shooting the place up here. Mm. It just doesn't happen. You know,
0: well, that, but that is also <laughs> the, we, sometimes we take these events, um, and, and we, uh, granted, they're, they're more commonplace in the U.S. than in Australia. That seems to be true. But what we need to remember here is, is this is simply a tool. I mean, this is the same thing that as soon as Orlando happened here in, in June, for example, Omar Mateen shot up that. Um, that nightclub in Orlando and, and Hillary comes out and talks about gun control. Oh, we need to, we need to take the tool out of his hand. We need to get serious about gun control. And the left never really can explain what they mean when they say that common sense gun regulation, as opposed to the, uh, which is already on the books. Everything they, they want is essentially already on the books. But we talk about the tool without getting serious about the, the motivation. OK, and, and yeah. in that case, clearly, Omar Mateen, there's plenty of evidence that radical Islamists are going to take care of the business that they want to take care of, regardless of the tool they have. Now, to your point on um, you know, whether, whether we need these things or does the presence of guns lead to violent crime, I live in a state with essentially zero gun laws. Uh, mm. In fact, I, I think there are laws on the books in Montana that bar federal agents from enforcing federal gun laws here and also there, there are certain federal restrictions on what firearms are and are and are not allowed from a federal perspective. But since that's regulated by interstate exchange, Montana says you can basically do whatever you want, provided that the item is manufactured and sold within the borders of the state. So this state is about as laissez-faire as it gets on guns. Yeah. And there are essentially no murders. There's, I think there was one in my city of 50,000 Last year, which is like the news of the year, yeah. So there's certainly. I'm not saying that that we should have laws We should have no gun restrictions anywhere ever. Mm-hmm. What I am saying is, it's not as simple as gun laws mean less crime. And if that was the case, I mean, I'd be living in some kind of um, some kind of war zone right now because there are more guns than people in my state. Uh, I, I,
2: think, I I really understand that. Um, and I, I sort of understand where you're coming from. But I, I, think, I think in terms of what you're saying in that, you know, that a gun is just a tool or it's just an instrument and people's violence and aggressive tendencies are always going to manifest through what is available to them. Then I, I, Through that line of reasoning, can't, can't you then say that there shouldn't be any conceivable limit to the type of weapons available? Like I can if say that people you know will inevitably attack others and will inevitably have that aggression no matter what's available to them, then why not legalize tanks
0: why we, not legalize we, this, we already you know? have the laws on the books if you want to buy if you want to buy a firearm in, at any store in the United States, you're going to get a thorough background check, that is federal law, uh, and there's no way around that, so we're already yeah. taking a look at who can have access to these things, and if you're not fit to have access to it, you're not going to get it mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I it, it's such a massive cultural difference, obviously, yeah. you know, like, um, between, you know, the way that we see guns and the way that the America sees guns, so just moving on. Um, the Muslim ban, um, yeah. there's been a lot of, um, <laughs> confusion surrounding it, especially um, in Australia, hugely in Australia. Yeah. Um, where do you stand on it what's your point of view
0: um i I will acknowledge i'm i'm (laughs) i will acknowledge or or qualify my statements by saying i'm not some kind of um immigration expert nor am i an expert on the scope of the uh executive's power to regulate these things so i'm going to speak just in terms of what i think is justified what i personally think is justifiable or within reason um so the the characterization i'm not I'm not faulting you for this because this is what everyone's calling it. Yeah. they call it the Muslim ban. That is a wildly inaccurate term. Um, yeah. and and yeah, so I mean, it sounds like you're familiar with that anyway, but we're not we're, it's certainly not a religious test. okay we've already we've already restricted at some level people entering this country from those identified countries, those countries identified under the Obama administration. Uh, and we've decided before that those countries shouldn't be eligible for visa waivers. And now we're saying, okay, we're going to temporarily halt immigration from those countries, generally for 90 days, while we review our uh, immigrant vetting process or procedures, make sure we have proper safeguards in place before people coming from those countries um, are are going to are going to be uh, allowed to enter. And the my understanding is the reason these countries were chosen um, again by the the previous president and carried forward by this president is these are all. War torn countries um, that have been hotbeds for the growth of radical Islamic organizations, which is a problem, but also places with unstable governments. And of course, if you want to vet immigrants coming in, you need a stable government to (laughs) if you if you if you have no government to refer to to get reliable paperwork with which to vet the people coming. That's kind of a problem because you don't have a mechanism to vet at that point. So um. Uh, to me i'm a little i'm certainly frustrated with uh some of the reaction to it both the mischaracterization and the protest of it because to me this is just a question of do you believe that a country has a right to control who to enforce its borders or do you not and Mm -hmm. i and and i don't even have to speculate that the people protesting at the airports and these other places that i don't have to speculate that's what they believe they tell you i mean we've seen protest chance of them saying no uh no borders no nations f deportation so uh, a lot of these people who protest it seem to believe open borders come in whenever you want doesn't matter who you are we don't care we don't believe in the concept of a border we don't believe in the concept of a nation so uh, i'm open to the idea that um that it's maybe not the wisest policy although it's a it's a temporary it's a moratorium you know it's not it's not a permanent ban taking yeah. it's kind of reviewing policy and, and deciding what's best i'm open to the idea of people who push back and say uh, eh, you know hey mr trump i i don't think um that this is the best approach to to national security but i'm profoundly annoyed by people who say it's the worst thing ever it's some kind of yeah. racist or or religion anti-anti-muslim uh um a piece or executive order you know so yeah. Everybody um, just needs to chill out. And in my, from my perspective and in my opinion, I think it's perfectly reasonable for the executive to enforce um, immigration restrictions that he sees fit.
2: Um, I, yeah, I agree. And uh, the, the the really, the really strange thing for me is that in my eyes, I don't really see this as uh, that much of a departure from both US immigration policy for the past decade, but only that, but the global norm in immigration policy, like these, these sort of Extreme vetting process has been in place across Europe for years and a lot of European nations and also those
1: countries don't allow Immigration from
2: countries to
1: them either like Israelis can't even go to most of those countries. Yeah, um, which is
2: completely Yeah,
0: I love Uh, that but we don't we don't call those countries bigoted against Jews
2: Yeah, I, I, (laughs) I, I, I see it as you know people wanting to undermine Trump and argue against Trump and you know, this is a tool for them to use but it's, I, I probably wouldn't agree with the policy, but it's nothing out of the ordinary and it's nothing, you yeah. know, it doesn't, it doesn't justify this huge backlash that has being. Well,
0: and that's what's so, <laughs> that's what's so frustrating. If it was, if there was honest opposition to it and yeah. fair characterization of it, not calling yeah. it the Muslim ban, for example, and some reasoned um criticism of it you're going to get people like me to listen and to be receptive to that sort of thing but since it's a freak out and it's a muslim ban and we're going to stop traffic at the airports and we're going to act like complete a holes about this mm. um you get people like me to go you know what i'm cool with it do do whatever you want mr trump just cuz i i hate you a lot less than i hate them and I, yeah. i'm not i admit that i think that way i'm not saying it's good i i yeah. don't think it's good in fact but I guess I guess I just don't think they realize how much they enable Trump because oh, they, they they make themselves a worse alternative all the time. In a, in a world of two choices, I can choose Trump or I can choose his opposition. His opposition is, is just professional at making themselves worse by comparison.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, one of my favorite videos that you did was the one about Sarah Silverman. Right, um, and um, yeah, it was basically a. Uh, critique on how she's sort of um, become, I don't know, basically attacking the things that she once advocated for in terms of free speech early on. And I've noticed that in this last week, she called for basically a military takeover. To it. <laughs> yeah. um, do you think this kind of like celebrity left wing advocacy um, has. Potential to become dangerous and violent. I mean, like when you see people like Sarah Silverman advocating for that kind of stuff, they're not really. It's not really about, you know, peace anymore, is it? It's like, where, where do you stand on on that? Like celebrities,
0: I am. Uh, I'm not terribly worried about it. Like I'll look at Sarah Silverman's tweet and mostly laugh, as opposed to consider the serious implications of what's going on. Because mostly people don't care about celebrity political opinions. We mm. want to see them make their movies and make their shows and entertain us, but we do not care about what they think the world ought to look like from their Hollywood castles. So I don't, I I don't, I certainly don't know of anyone who takes their political cues from Sarah Silverman or anyone in her circle of friends. And I think it's probably a natural consequence of their fame that they think people consider them influential in that realm, but really they don't. So, yeah, I mean, anyone advocating a military coup, I think sh- certainly the appropriate authorities might want to take a, a look at it. But <laughs> but I but am I worried that like, people are actually taking that seriously and, and wanting to rally to sarah's side absolutely not and of course it's it's frankly laughable when she says as soon as we get our, the military on our side the military is not going to join sarah silverman uh <laughs> that is well i sh- I guess it's it's been a crazy year so i should i shouldn't seem <laughs> to anything but the the, the long answer uh long, <laughs> long answer longer let's put it that way long mm. story longer uh i'm not worried about it
2: yeah yeah well, i I, th- I think the same thing was with um, the Meryl Streep issue. like I think I think people recognize her and they listened to her and they they watched the speech. But in terms of actually taking out anything serious from it, I don't think people gave it that much credibility uh, at least at least in my circles and how I viewed it.
0: And it's so annoying that everything has to be so politicized now and every event. I mean, we saw it this last night, even with the Super Bowl and some of the ads that were everything just has to be so politicized and these great American institutions that were everyone everyone sat down together and just enjoyed and now you know good portions a good portion of the ads are just hey here's a minority and you better be okay with it and if you're not you're a scumbag like okay i just want to eat nachos and watch football yeah. and, well,
2: it was like with the coke ad wasn't I, I i didn't i didn't actually watch the ad myself but i, I read about um quite a few civil ads that were supposedly imp- implying um a need for a better immigration policy, and we're quite distinctly anti-Trump. I don't know if yeah. you watched the ads yourself, or oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I I enjoy that sort of thing. We did a we did a whole segment on the podcast last night about the Super Bowl ads, and um, these were not uh, these were not subtle in in mm-hmm. what they were at. one of them one of them is absolutely 100 a portrayal of and advocacy of illegal immigration it, port- it portrays uh, a central american family on this arduous journey uh, across presumably mexico and they get to the border and the wall is there and they start crying but there's a door built in the wall from this lumber company and they come through and the lumber company says we support anyone who has the will to succeed to come here okay well uh, that's a law-breaking <laughs> violation that's a little concerning but that's, that's
1: capitalism. That's American capitalism um, to a T. I mean, everybody's become so radicalized, or, or if not radicalized, politicized, like on either side now. And you know, uh, businesses are going to want to sell their shit, mm. and, <laughs> and they are, you know, and they, they they're like, well, that 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 anti-Trump um, wall dollar is a big big market. Let let's uh, let's go for that market.
0: Yeah, you know? I maybe they know something I don't because I uh, I don't know I'm not I'm not keen on the construction industry so they they probably do know more than I do but I, I can't imagine anyone watching that and being persuaded oh we got to buy lumber from those guys now um, but I I mean the Super Bowl spots are multi million dollar per thirty seconds and this one was long I think it was a minute long and then it directed you to a website to go see some other stuff. Um, and so someone there decided it was a worthwhile investment. The other one of big controversy was Audi with George Clooney's narration, um, talking about the wage gap and how he shouldn't teach his daughter that she's worth less than a man and how Audi proudly, uh, has equal pay at, at their, uh, at, in the, within their workforce. And <laughs> the great thing about that ad was people pushed back on them at social media on social media saying. Well, what are you saying, uh, uh, Audi? Are you saying you you pay your female workers on average the mm-hmm. same as men? Uh, and their responses. Mm-hmm. Their response was, um, "No, when you when you account for all the factors that go into pay, uh, <laughs> women <That's not> <laughs> women be. make the same as men." And so they they debunked their own ad on, on social media, but it's all pandering, you know. It's all it's yeah. it's it, those those two ads, in addition to some other ones you referenced, the Coca Cola one. It was a lot of basically propaganda to be honest and oh. it, which is really i mean super bowl used to be just silly ads and weird ads that were really memorable and high That's production cool. value because they're so costly but now you sit down it's kind of a lecture f- and virtue signaling and that I, I, it, I,
2: can't, I can't think of a case where i've seen like an overtly political ad that has made me want to buy the product even even if i agree with like the yeah. sense they're making it has always really put me off mm. <laughs> like yeah,
1: it's um, it's it, uh, it's just going to get worse by the looks of things as well. I mean, p- particularly in America, you know, when people are just going to get angrier and angrier. But yeah. like on that, um, it, are you seeing the kind of um mechanics of the you know the White House, particularly with what Bannon seems to be kind of um doing in the way that he seems to be running the show and with what Kellyanne Conway has been saying with what Sean Spicer has been saying as some sort of way of exhausting the discourse and creating some sort of chaos? Or or do you actually think they're just going about their business like they normally would?
0: Yeah. Well, the great debate that I often have on Twitter is uh, kind of a debate between incompetence and trolling as the root causes for some of the questionable perf- questionable performances that group has had. I am um I'm more on team incompetence than I am team trolling. like every time Trump and his 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 people have some kind of PR or media incident. Um, I tend to get a lot of responses from people saying like, aren't they genius trolls? They're pulling the strings on all those media puppets and they're making them dance. And it's, I don't know. I think, I think they just kind of misspoke and made a big mistake, but to their point, every time Trump, uh, and the rest of the team make any kind of speaking error, the media jumps on it to I think probably a disproportionate level, and they, 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 the left, the media, all these people, they just have this nasty habit of overreacting to things and blowing them out of proportion and making them out to be something that they're not, even when Trump and his team are wrong, mm. and um, and 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 that's kind of frustrating too. I certainly don't think um, Trump is is the mm, I think he's, I think he's probably a good leader. You know, I think he's probably a big picture guy that can make things happen um, and, and lead a team effectively. Do I think that he's the same as Obama in that he's kind of a details guy and a nuanced guy? Absolutely not. And I think that comes back to bite him. And, and then of course the, the media and, and other powers are going to jump all over it to an extent that is probably not appropriate <laughs> but you you no doubt you have this constant war between the media and his team that uh, is just kind of bizarre and everything tends to get really exaggerated
1: yeah there seems to be a, a chaos there which kind of you know and it you, you kind of saw it when you know in the uh, you know early days of um uh, putinism with um with Vladislav Surkov and the kind of you know um, tricks to make people think something was going on when it wasn't, or you know, like I don't know if you were familiar with the um, the incident last week between the Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. Oh, and and
0: Trump, yeah,
1: yeah. So that was like that was really kind of um, bad. I mean, like because Trump, Obama had made a deal. For us to send, we've got these offshore detention centres, which are really, really not a good thing. And we should be taking our own refugees into our own country. But that's a that's another argument entirely. But you know, we were going to send what was it, fifteen hundred? I think it was twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. Um. Uh. Was uh, mainly Muslim refugees to the United States. And I think with, and this doesn't get spoken about, but I think we were going to. Get some Latin American refugees in return,
2: mm.
1: or something like that. It was definitely a deal; like it wasn't just a favor on the part of the states. It yeah, was, it was a deal, yeah. which Obama made with Turnbull, and then Trump got in, and he was like, he he got on the phone to Malcolm Turnbull, and apparently hung up on him after 25 minutes. And so- well,
0: I've heard competing reports on that, but I did, <laughs> I did hear it was uh, not necessarily the kindest exchange. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then he tweeted that it was a terrible deal and, you know, it was a dumb deal, I think, were the words. And, you know, it was like all this kind of thing, which made everyone think that the deal was dead. But then it turns out that the deal is actually going ahead. And so <laughs> there's this there's this chaos where everybody yeah. thinks that Australian-US relations are at their worst mm. ever. And it probably is the most frank exchange of, you know... Unpleasantries between a U.S. and American leader mm-hmm. in the history of the relationship, but then to hear that the deal is actually still going ahead mm. is just—it just makes me think that this whole thing is just an orchestration to
2: kind of make people think, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah, and and how I see it, I I just see it on the part of Trump is just like a gross misunderstanding of international relations. Like I don't I don't think he understands how how significant being on poor terms with another national leader is like even just this most recent exchange has had an effect on the australian diplomat to the u.s the u.s diplomat to australia there's been you know this whole media uproar and probably in in all honesty it's affected some u.s australia trade relationships in some way and
1: you've got people in australia going well if i was malcolm turnbull now i'd be i'd be booking a flight to beijing Because that, that that's our that's our option in this country. is yeah. If we, you know, we've we had China going, come come with us, come with us for years and years and years, but we've been so loyal to America, mm. and then just as this kind of like brain fart that Trump had, but yeah. I like starting to think it wasn't a brain fart at all. I think this is a a, a diversion technique from from something yeah. confusing people. Yeah. Where do you where do you sit on that? Do you think well, do you think what's going on?
0: Speaking of natural corrections or kind of responses to things, I'm still someone that has a lot of points of admiration for the former president. Um, Certainly some of his policies didn't work out the way that I think he would acknowledge it didn't work out um, the way that we had hoped. But I I do admire him in some respects. If, If he had some faults, it was probably... Um, not being aggressive enough on behalf of American interests a lot of the time, and so and that's what frustrated a lot of people and then we get this correction with Trump that is probably an over correction to be honest i'm not I'm certainly not going to fault him for going to bat sternly for american interest um when when negotiating with foreign leaders, however. I mean, to the point about like going on Twitter and saying like, who did this deal? Dumb. And this, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm also not going to fault Australia for negotiating a deal with the former president that they thought was in their interest. So I'm not going to throw Australia under the bus for producing a deal with the former president that Australia seems to think works out for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just wish that could be a happy medium where we have a president that says, Hey, look, I know the former guy negotiated these terms, um, I don't think that's a good deal and I don't think that's a good deal on, uh, that's going to work for the American people. Here's why, what can we do about this? And then you have a conversation, you sort it out and you don't call it dumb on Twitter, but there are don't plenty of people that people you go ahead
1: with the deal. Yeah. You know, it <laughs> doesn't make sense. You know, like if you get a t- if you, if a president is going to get on Twitter and call the deal dumb, then just don't go ahead with the deal either. You know, but he's going ahead with the deal and it's basically like nothing ever happened.
0: Well, you got to go back to the tweet. He said he was going to take a close look at it. He's going to take a close look at a lot of things. You know, there's certainly, you know, I I have my points of concern with him on a lot of those style things and a lot of the kind of BS statements that he makes from time to time. But there's plenty of cheerleaders that love that he just goes in with this brash style and wants to be a a bull in a, what's the term, bull in a china shop or bull in a china, yeah, whatever. Anyway, he yeah. just wants to smash things up. He wants to be a wrecking ball, and plenty of people appreciate that. But I'm with you insofar as um countries like Australia that that we need in terms of honestly winning a, a global culture war, because I, I do think that there are a set of values that work to build successful countries and um competing values that don't. And I would like to be on good terms with pretty much every country that shares Western values. Uh, because we, we got some I don't know we got a lot of global forces that not only don't share those values but would like to see those values destroyed
1: hmm. well look on that note I think we uh, will end it here thank you Matt Christensen how do people get in touch with you and uh, check out your channel
0: yeah the, my links are a nightmare so the easiest way is just to find me on Twitter and unfortunately my name is a nightmare too but it's at ML Christensen and yeah. that's Christian like the religion S-E-N mm-hmm
2: yeah yes. beautiful so
0: find me beautiful. there and you can find my YouTube and all the podcast and all my other stuff at ML Christensen
1: excellent excellent thanks so much for your time Matt and um, yeah um, yeah it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure thanks
0: appreciate <laughs> it thanks a lot guys